Everybody and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. I'm Sam Wilson. Joining me as always, Zach Schneider and Liz Tory. Today we're going to be reviewing the Batman. Matt Reeves is the Batman 2022, currently in theaters. Spoilers ahead for the Batman. So please, if you have not got a chance to see this movie yet, go see it or wait till it comes on HBO Max or whatever. This podcast will still be here. You can come back to it. Mm-hmm. First, uh, how's everybody doing today? Zach, how you doing? I am doing great. Yeah, it's been a pretty quiet week. Uh, finally got the cat spayed, and she's only slightly incredibly annoyed by the cone. But uh, yeah, other than that, going great. Yeah, she's... Uh, I, I, I won't say she's in good spirits. She's in spirits. Oh, yeah. There is. There are spirits. There are spirits at work. There are possibly spirits in her. She might be a little possessed, you know. It's <laughs> it is possible. We might have to call uh, 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 John, John Katstantine, the, uh, the cat exorcist. Liz, how's it going with you? Really, really good. Uh, I finished my level one stand-up at Flappers. Did the showcase, knocked it out of the park, went almost full trailer park trash this next time. I was booked the next day again, so I'm going to go full trailer park trash on this one. I had so much fun doing it. Oh, my God. I had a moo-moo, and it was beautiful. I told a lot of dick jokes and ball jokes. I I just think, you know, what would Shakespeare do? (laughs) That's true. Shakespeare did love dick jokes and ball jokes. Mm-hmm. As that is a statement which can be described as being accurate. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've been. <laughs> How are you doing, Sam? <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. Yeah, my my dick and balls are still intact, so I I uh, I can't really complain. Uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, Speaking of dicks, my band Gas Station Boner Pills just had a, a show the other night. We 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 we're, we're things are moving. You know, we just got booked for a, a few more shows, so we're Fuck very yeah. excited to be going into that. Yeah, yeah, that's going again. Hell I'll yeah. go and I'll go and put the uh, the the GSPP plug here now. If you guys like punk rock that makes you laugh, that's dumb and stupid. Gas Station Boner Pills, check us out at the Band of Boners on Instagram. We have two music videos out. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and roll on into the Batman. Again, spoilers start here for the Batman, the one that's out right now as of the release of this episode. It's still in theaters. Okay, you've been warned. The Batman, the character. Uh, we kind of start our Batman reviews usually by saying, "What do we think of this actor as Batman? What do we think of Pattinson's Batman? How does how does he stack up? How, how do we think that he's a good Batman?" I loved his Batman. We haven't gotten to Bruce Wayne, but I fucking love his Batman. His Batman yeah. is phenomenal. Um, his mm-hmm. voice doesn't really change. I I don't know. I like the way that he kind of carries himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the intro sucked ass it was like we were waiting for the t-rex to come <laughs> for batman to show up Ka-doom, i was like where's the water where's the glass of water it should be shaking right now but other than that i absolutely love his batman his portrayal of batman okay you see liz there's something in filmmaking and good filmmaking about building anticipation <laughs> for something which <laughs> like that didn't build anticipation for me it, it did Except for me for like, i was looking for the cup of water it 
is just demonstrating exactly what he's talking about in the voiceover, which is that, like, he the reason he doesn't have to be everywhere in the city is because he could be anywhere in the city. They look at a random patch of darkness and they're like, Not you stomping around like that! I'm gonna, Not I'm gonna walk back. Not stomping around like... <laughs> I know exactly where he's at. <laughs> I know exactly where he's at. He do stomp, I just though. listen for his stomps. <laughs> Three blocks over, we're good. He's just pulling a Vader. He's just pulling a Vader where he just like walks up and you're just like, oh shit, he's slow walking at me. He ain't running at me. He's slow walking at me. God damn it. Oh, let me, I, I need to scare these guys while I walk up. Let me, let me turn off the, uh, the loud walking setting on my boots. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He just, he just tiptoes everywhere else. You know, he's just like very light on his feet, but then he just like yeah, yeah, tiptoes everywhere big else. Big thunks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like beating a drum before you go into war. Okay, I got it. Well, sometimes you just need to <laughs> make a bit shit his pants, which it just from hearing you walk <laughs> up. All right. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, there's a lot I love about his Batman. Um, I like, I like that they established this as year two. He's been Batman for a second. He doesn't really know who he is as a person because he is so obsessed with his mission um, that he hasn't had a lot of time to build who he is as Bruce Wayne or remember who he is as Bruce Wayne. And I like that that's a major arc in the story. That's a major part of him is... I like that no one can get to him. You don't talk to Bruce Wayne, so why have to change your voice because no one has ever fucking heard your voice? Exactly. Like, he doesn't go out. He doesn't talk to people. Even his own company can't get to him. It's literally just Alfred and I want to say Dottie. Yeah, literally just Alfred yeah. and Dottie who actually talk to him at any length. But over the course of the film, he does slowly open up emotionally, which is very difficult because he is a, yeah. he does not like to talk about his emotions. He does not like to think about <laughs> his emotions. He wants to drive Darkness. himself into his work. I also like, this is like a minor thing, but it's a minor thing that I love immensely, which is that Pattinson gets a few shirtless scenes in this movie, which I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm glad about. And he does not have the super chiseled bodybuilder body that Bale had. Yeah. He's got the body of someone who works out and maybe takes some martial arts classes, but he's not like doing any cutting. He's not dehydrating himself. It's ultimately like a physically powerful, but really normal person's body, but it's covered in bruises. And I love that. It's like, okay, yeah, that's... Zach, the term is yeah. twonk. Yeah, the term is he's twonk. A twonk. He, he's he's got <laughs> he's he's got a twonky body. He's he's not trying to be as massive as possible. He's not even trying to get people envious of him. I mean, we are anyways because you know that's a great body anyways. But yeah, I just love it. And overall, I think that his presence as Batman is great. He's just you know stands like a four inches above everyone else. Um, just kind of looms at people. And I love how, yeah, and I love how uh, Pattinson does a great job of, like, always having him, like, he's very clearly thinking at all times. There's always something turning on him at all times, and I love seeing that um, in his mind. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really fun characterization, just a really cool version of Batman with a lot of room for growth. It's a great start, but it'll grow into something better. I like that we know where his battering comes from in this one. And the other yep. ones, you're like, where the fuck did he pull that from? Where'd that come from? How many does he have? And this one, he only has one. He's got the and one big one. And it's a little boomerang on his little, on his little, on his little chesty chest. It's a nice little charm. 
You don't want to know where I pull these out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was great. He I, like his Batman. He was he was a force of nature. You know, he he mm-hmm. did remind me of a lot of the uh, like he he really like this movie really did remind me of like a Frank Miller Batman comic. You know, yeah. it really did. It, like it had that flavor and like what he did with it really reminded me of like kind of a Batman Year One or. You know, kind of, or, or like long Halloween, like like it definitely was that kind of that that Batman that is this force of nature who's also flawed and is just I don't know. I I thought that he was a really yeah. I thought he made a really good Batman. Not not to compare because like I think every Batman actor had had different things about them that were good, but like I would I would put him in the top three or may, maybe four at the, at the at the least. Like I would I would honestly put him on par with with Keaton and I mm-hmm. I like him for similar reasons yeah. I like Keaton mm-hmm. actually I agree where where cuz where where Keaton also has that kind of similar thing of also being kind of a recluse and kind of where there there isn't really a distinction between the Bruce Wayne and Batman that being Batman is kind of a compulsion like it remind like it's a very different performance but it did I think the take on the character did actually remind me of Keaton's uh, Batman a lot I actually, actually agree yeah that's it's a very it's a very similar direction even if the way it's expressed is is different I like that the movie comes from Batman's point of view mm-hmm. because we get to see all of the in betweens you know, and and that kind of glues it. And that's what it's always been for the most part for us is that we've always seen it from Batman's point of view. And I think I like that uh, seeing a movie from someone else's point of view other than Batman. Uh, it gets a little hard to write correctly because there has to be things that you have to hint to with the, movement. And- there's a couple of things in there that I really love that are about those in between moments where. You know, this this is a Batman who actually carries his suit in a bag and yeah. suits up on scene. Um, yeah, when he can. Uh, this is a Batman who does not yet have a magic cape that lets him glide. He has to pull out a wingsuit, and he's kind of bad yep. at using it. He has never had to use it before, and so he like I like that about completely the movie. plants. Um, and you know, he's, he's a Batman. Like it's talked about in the trailers, but he's a Batman who, when he takes the mask off, he's still got the eye makeup on. It's mm-hmm. a Batman where you see him in the full outfit and you see the effect it has in the mystique, but you also see the breakdown of the mystique and see the person underneath, too. And I yeah. really like that. Yeah, one thing I also like is that, you know, this whole movie is is definitely this kind of, like, people call, uh, describing it as a, as a noir take, kind of a gritty noir take on Batman. And I like that he feels like a noir protagonist. You know, he has that kind of, the, the, this j- gritty, jaded protagonist mm-hmm. who, He's narr- the narrates, who narrates the whole movie in a, gr- in a gruff voice. It's like, it really is like, that's, this is totally it's that kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, yeah, he is absolutely the, the gritty hardball detective. And I think that, and, and I, I liked that this version does emphasize him more as a detective. Also, yep. yes. that's something that a lot of other live action versions really haven't gone into at all. No. Um, mm-hmm. And like, like I feel, yeah, I feel that the Burton and Schumacher ones didn't really do that. I feel the Nolan ones didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, this version, yeah, they, they really went all in with detective Batman. And, uh, and I, I think they did a really good job with that. Um, you kind of alluded to, to, you started to hint at it, Liz, but what did you think of, uh, him as Bruce Wayne, Pattinson's Bruce Wayne in this movie? Okay. So this comes as a more complex answer. The character was just, it feels like it was just written and thrown out there and there's not a lot to back it up. But the truth is, is that they're showing that psychological thing that he 
doesn't have a lot for Bruce Wayne. At this time in his life, he's more, he's younger and he's more Batman and he has to find Bruce Wayne through Batman and through Batman's experiences, just like when he looked at that little boy who had had his, his father murdered. So I understand why he plays and why it's written that way. I understand the, the, the psyche, but I wish they had so much drama in the movie. I hate to ask for more drama, but I wish that I had seen a little more of that moment with him. They did it a couple of times in the movie, and I did it. I, I loved those times because it made that, oh, Bruce Wayne, we're just going to throw it in the closet. Bruce Wayne isn't important. Bruce Wayne isn't important because Bruce Wayne is trapped in a closet in his head. And it feels like it, even though we see him as Batman and Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is a costume which they say later on in the movie. Yeah. I kept expecting like that moment where he looked at the, the, the little boy who's well, like the, the, the son, I think the son of the mayor yeah. and he mm -hmm. sees himself. Yep. Like I kept expecting them to, to do the flashback of like, see those fucking pearls, you know? <laughs> oh my God. And I didn't. I'm I'm kind of glad they did it, but at the same no. time, it's like it would have made sense in this movie. But I'm no. also kind of glad they did just just because it's been done so they many times. They technically but... could have. They definitely shouldn't have, and I'm really glad they did not. Okay, we've seen that scene a thousand times. I I understand that, but like I I actually feel like I wouldn't have minded it just because I feel like it would have actually tied in with this movie. Like I don't know, I, I'm conflicted because like. I do feel like I've seen that too many times in, in, in my life, but I actually feel that seeing that scene feels like it would have been more justified in this movie than in some of the other Batman movies we've seen. Like It, it would have, but again, it's like, that is where if you were going to do it, you do it, but I'm glad they didn't do it. Yeah, I was ultimately fine with the fact that they didn't I do it. I feel like it, too, it yeah. adds up with right there with uh, Batman and Superman screaming Martha at each other. <laughs> yeah. Martha! 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 Why did you say that? Martha? Why did you say Martha? Martha? You know, when I say Martha so many times, it just starts to sound weird. It starts to sound like... It doesn't like, sound what, like a name anymore. Just Martha, Martha, yeah. Martha, 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 Martha. <laughs> now I'm calm, see? <laughs> Hearing that name did not have a calming effect on Batman. Why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> god damn it that was so hilarious oh my god but yeah this is a weird comment but i really really like that his ultimate arc his ultimate revelation is realizing it's like i have got to stop being quite so dark and introverted and just because he realized that batman is he's a perfectly good detective he's a perfectly scary monster but he's better as a hero, someone who is out there to inspire and directly save lives. And I like that. That's an interesting... It's interesting that they start Batman almost at his darkest point. Um, although I'd argue that uh, Batman v Superman was actually his darkest point. But this is close to that. It, it's very possibly the darkest point for this Batman. Because very watching this movie, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't believe... Watching this, like, mm -hmm. I know that there was like it was like, oh, could this be a younger version of Affleck's Batman? Watching this movie, I believe this is He's firmly not. in its own universe, and no. it's this very well yeah. could be the darkest point for this Batman. Yeah. I think it is. This is a movie that is very dark, but I like that it is ending on a hopeful note. Um, that it is having a movement upwards for him. That's one of my favorite things about the movie. Yeah, I love the fact that he goes through this arc of 
everyone like loves kind of the whole Batman, you know, the badass Batman. I am vengeance. I am the knight. You know, like the scary Batman, the intimidating Batman, a symbol to inspire fear in the hearts of criminals. But I like that this movie kind of deconstructs that and says, yeah. like, is is it really a good thing? To be somebody that is meant to inspire fear and is meant to instill fear, is that really what you, you want to be? Is that really the best thing for this city is is to have, you know, in the midst of all these these criminals and these crime families to be somebody who is is trying to out scary the scary bad guys, you yeah. know? And, and at the end of the day, and, and it becomes that thing of with somebody like this Batman, you know, the scary vengeance Batman, wh- what kind of people are that is that actually going to be inspiring to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like exactly. Like are good people really going to be inspired by Batman, by this Batman mm-hmm. or are fucking psychopaths going to be inspired by this Batman and this and this movie pretty much says no this the psychopaths are the ones that are going to take inspiration from this batman and it it really does like it's the idea of like escalation and batman kind of leading to bigger threats like is something that's been talked about in other adaptations but this one this movie really buckled down on that in a really huge way yeah and i really love that aspect of the movie i agree in terms of the bruce wayne thing i i agree that bruce wayne is a little bit de-emphasized uh in comparison to to batman uh in this movie and that didn't actually bother me because like i i actually kind of like the idea that bruce wayne is this like he is kind of in a closet because he's he's so hyper focused on being batman that he has kind of forgotten how to be bruce wayne and you do get the sense that he's starting to get his humanity back uh, towards the end of this movie. So yeah. I think that as they make uh, sequels to this movie, that we are probably going to see more Bruce Wayne uh, in 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 subsequent follow ups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I, th- I think that's probably going to going to happen. He's going to find Bruce Wayne on the way. I do think that this is a very interesting place to start the character. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I really do love Pattinson's take. I really do. I thought he did a great job in the role. What about Jim Gordon, played by Jeffrey Wright? I mean, I I, I love the, the kind of buddy cop thing that was going on between Batman and Gordon. What do you guys think of this character? This is, I think, even more so than um, no, the Nolan trilogy, which very much had Gordon in a very in a huge place of high esteem with Batman even more than that this emphasizes that Gordon and Batman are partners they very much see each other as equals more or less that they're some of the only people that they really respect I also just deeply love how casual um he is as Batman like constantly hey man you know come on man come on yeah (laughs) you know if this movie was directed by Joel Schumacher uh what kind of partners do you think they would have been in in his version (laughs) I wouldn't complain but Jim Gordon nipples yeah no I, I absolutely love Jeffrey Wright as Jim Gordon he's He's pretty much exactly, you know, Jim Gordon from the comics, except, again, perhaps a little more casual with Batman than normal. Yeah, he's also a good detective. He's way, you know, very much in it, along with everyone. Does Has a lot of respect for people, not so much for the rules. Is definitely willing to get cold cocked in order to, you know, help his, help his partner out. I like how much faith he has in Batman as well, which is... Something that you feel like is constantly something that could be pushed aside, but it's also something that's always borne out. He's got faith <laughs> of the heart. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just think it works really well. Um, he's also 
This movie is not humorless, which I love. It's just, you know, not constantly out there, you know, it jokes or quips. Um, little sprinklings. Little yeah, sprinklings little of humor. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have any rhythm, but it does have humor. Yeah. And uh, Gordon is, is one of the bigger sources of just like those little bits of humor. Just um, that scene where he has the mayor's thumb and it's like a thumb drive. God, this man is hilarious. God. But that's Jeffrey Wright. That's his that's his brand. That's what he does. I I think he brings this different voice to, to Gordon that we really haven't seen that we've wanted to see. And teaming them up as like Sherlock and Watson together, where where Gordon is Watson and he has the gun and he has that type of manpower. And then uh Batman is Sherlock and he sees the clues and he figures everything out. I fucking love that together. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have been needing to see in our Batman, uh, and we haven't got it, because that is one of Batman's inspirations. Oh, yeah. And, and we finally got that in this movie. And I love seeing them investigate together. It's that buddy cop type of deal, like you were yeah. saying. Um, so it, it softens up the scene, because I don't like that it had so many dramatic pauses and that it had so much drama in the whole movie there wasn't a lot of rhythm in it but when them two were together i actually enjoyed the scenes it reminded me of a movie like seven with, with like the, the morgan freeman brad pitt dynamic or something like and, and that's a dynamic that's been done in a lot of different movies but mm-hmm. just the idea of kind of kind of the the grizzled veteran cop with the young hothead mm-hmm. like yep. that's that's kind of how <laughs> yep. i view like it's that is that classic dynamic you know oh, yeah. um and and it really like this really is a film noir uh hard-boiled detective mystery movie in which one of the characters happens to be batman it really it, but, yeah. but like it really is that like, like but batman really is kind of the classic kind of noir protagonist and and yeah gordon was like he was that kind of like, I think the the only difference is that in, in most uh, noir, m- most like kind of cliche noir movies, Gordon probably would have gotten killed off, and he probably would have said he, that he's two days away from retirement at one point. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm two days away from retirement. I just bought this boat. I'm gonna take it out. <laughs> no, that's not gonna happen. This is the SS Gordon Lives River. It's yeah. <laughs> Gotta take the wife. We're just we're just gonna live out our our glory days on the high seas. But yeah, but no, I, I really I I just love the dynamic between them. And Jeffrey Wright is just one of my favorite actors. Like he's he's just one of the best character actors. Like he's he's one of the best things about everything that he's in. Like I love like the first thing I saw him in was Casino Royale, where he plays Felix Leiter, and I love him in in the in the Bond movies. I loved him on Westworld. I loved him. I loved him in this like. He's just so good in everything, and I, I, yeah, he's 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 just one of those actors that any any time I see him, it's like I, it's 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 always a treat seeing him in, in anything. He really is just one of those actors at this point. So our, our main villain in this movie is the Riddler, um, Edward Nashton, not Nigma. I think I think maybe Edward Nigma might have been a little too on the nose for <laughs> for this uh, gritty version of it. Um, is is there a version where he's called Edward Nashton before this? Like I was I was actually I meant to I research think that. So, but... Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't I don't think it's entirely uh, cut out of cloth. I've, I've heard it before, but I I need to look it up. Um, okay. But I good. Think, yeah. Yes. Like I, I was, I was good with it. It was like you know, because I, I kind of had that thought. I was like, okay, and 
for this tone for they were going for, having his actual name be Edward Nigma might have been a bit much. Edward Nashton is from 1988. Okay. It's uh, Batman number 415. And that was during the time, like, that was kind of that Frank Miller era where they were going in more of a gritty, realistic direction. Yep. So that makes sense. That makes sense that they would yep. be like, okay, does his name literally have to be Edward Nigma? Like, no. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Paul Dano, like, it, it's kind of his brand uh, to play these kind of psychotic characters, but he did a really good job, like, this really did, they really did go into this kind of Zodiac killer, kind of Ted Bundy kind of direction with Riddler. And I thought that it really worked. Like, it felt like this, this feels like this could be a real ser serial killer, like in, in reality. And I thought that they did a really good job writing this character and Paul Dano's performance. I, I actually liked his, I know some people, you know, didn't like that, that, that he wasn't wearing like, you know, a green outfit with a question mark on it. But I, I liked the, I, I thought that. But he his, was though. His, it's, I, he was wearing, I that, he was wearing a green raincoat with the white He was wearing mark a green raincoat. <laughs> All right. The people who are he making that argument are idiots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, I, yeah. I like Paul Dano's performance in Making a Murderer. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Never mind. That's a docu-series. The nephew off of Making a Murderer. Did mm -hmm. you ever see that docu-series on Netflix? Well, no, it was I set didn't. in Wisconsin and it was all about a murder. Go figure. His makeup and, and the way they put the glasses on him, he looks like the kid that was that was put on for murder. So... I, that brought me in right then and there uh, at that moment. I don't know if it was on purpose or what, but I did like the I did like the green raincoat. The green raincoat made me so happy. They did their best in this movie to bring in things from the comics. I would have liked to have seen a little more comic-y look, but in this world, they did very, very well at bringing in costume pieces that would represent that, just like Marvel has done to streamline their heroes. I don't know. I think it's a fresh take on the Riddler. It's the Riddler straight from the Arkham series, if you if you look at it. Paul Dano did a phenomenal job. I wish there had have been a little more rhythm in his performance. Spoilers alert. I just want to say that before I say this. The best scene with Paul Dano as as the Riddler is the scene with the Joker. For one, that's set up to ma maybe think, has he met this Joker before? The way that he tells him he did a good job. But for two, he's kind of nurturing uh, Edward and taking him under his wings. And there's just so much there. And I, I think that what Paul Dano did with the Riddler was just phenomenal. It was a dirty grittier and can't no one say that this wasn't the riddler this was closer to the riddler than it's ever seen in live action so i really really loved his performance yeah i thought it was a super faithful adaptation i do disagree as far as which my favorite scene also saying he was rhythmless i just don't even know where that's coming from and part of it is what he's based on is you know real life serial killers um, those creepy assholes who go on, you know, 4chan message boards, that sort of thing. I thought it was someone pretending to be like that. I don't know. I thought it worked really well. These are people who don't have a lot of social graces or... Yeah, but people with those psychological disorders, they try to copycat the people around them. And he did not. The The one time we got rhythm was when he realized that, that Batman wasn't going to 
wasn't going to bond with him. The thing with that is that this particular, with his entire arc, um, I don't see him trying to do a copycat because his whole thing is trying to break out. Um, it might have been that that's how he had gotten by through life for much of this time. And if we'd seen any scenes before that, you know, they would have been nice to see him like that. But what he is trying to do right now as the Riddler is not trying to copycat. In fact, one of the few scenes where we see him being social, he is trying to do that kind of buddying thing. He is trying to act like other people talking in videos when he's talking to his followers um, in their online video, on their chat room. But when he's by himself, he's just trying to be himself. He is trying to stand out. Riddler in the comics and some this I think this is an extremely faithful adaptation in this movie. Um, is exceptionally arrogant. Um, He thinks very few people are equal to him in any way. And I think that came through across very well in this performance. Um, That scene where, again, where you mentioned that he realizes Batman isn't going to play along and he starts, you know, freaking out. That I love immensely. That's because that's one of Riddler's biggest insecurities is the idea that he might have made a miscalculation, that he might have misunderstood something. Um, he can't stand that, and I thought Paul Dano did a fantastic um, choice of that. Ultimately, I think that, yeah, this is a really, really good adaptation of Riddler, and I think he was used very well. I agree. I think, uh, I, I love the thing about kind of the miscommunication between him and Batman, the fact that, you know, he he thought he was being obvious in the fact that, yes, I'm I'm recruiting you, I'm giving mm-hmm. you the instructions that you need to follow to 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 go along with this plan. And then the fact that Batman really only caught on to a small part of the overall plan, but that kind of goes to the the fact that Riddler, he assumes that Batman is this kindred spirit to him and that he's going to be on the same wavelength, but he's so, he's so psychotic that nobody's on his, his wavelength. It's like nobody, like you can figure it out up to a certain point, but no one can fully figure him out until it's too late because like nobody else's mind works the way that his mind works. You know, he's just on such a different wavelength from everybody else. Except for these, like, fucking psychos on this one, you know, dark web chat room, you know? (laughs) I do like the idea and the impression that both Riddler and those psychos had, right up until he starts punching them in the face, kind of idolized Batman and kind of almost used him as a blueprint in a lot of ways. Um, exactly. At the very end, that one directly takes what is apparently a well-known phrase of Batman saying, I am vengeance. They had were inspired by, and I love that that is directly tying into Batman's arc, is realizing that he kind of caused Riddler. He caused. I was trying to figure out um, whether that guy who said "I am vengeance," I was trying to figure out if he was one of the guys that Batman beat up in the in the train station scene at the beginning. He was in the scene where he was attending the mayor. Mayor was attending the funeral of the um, police commissioner. Um, the one where the mayor's, oh. where the car came in and crashed. Um, he had a very brief interaction with him while he was in his uh, Bruce Wayne guys. Well, I was, I, I was wondering if, if he was, if he was in that beginning, just because of that, I am vengeance line repeating. I was wondering if that, if he was actually one of the guys that he beat up and, and actually heard that line firsthand. Like that, that's, that's, that was the impression that I had gotten, but I can't remember if he, if, if he was one of those guys or not, but, but that was, that was, that was the reaction I had when I, when I heard that line repeated, but I, I guess it's also possible that Batman just says that so much that, you know, 
but yeah, Paul Dano really was great. I I thought I thought there was a lot of rhythm to his performance. I really did. I thought I I, I liked the way that he kind of went back and forth between the almost scary calm and the kind of you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 losing the losing control, the kind of yelling, you know that. I, I I thought I thought it was a really good interesting like it it, it threatened to be almost over the top but I think that he he it was just reined in enough that I don't know I I, I thought that worked within the universe of this movie and it really did remind me of a lot of the, these like kind of serial killers that we see in in real life and yeah like him leaving all the the clues and everything like that it, that it felt very it, it was very zodiac it reminded me of the zodiac killer you know leaving all of these ciphers and everything and and you know leaving a puzzle for people to figure out uh after the fact so well that's his thing i know it's his thing but there there was something about the way it was specifically like it was executed in a very realistic way in this yeah. movie and it was and beautifully because, done and, and because of that it just reminded me more of of like real life uh, kind of serious like it reminded me more of real life examples because of how realistic it was it was treated in, in this particular uh, execution of it there was definitely not two jokers in this movie yes exactly or two penguins <laughs> what about selena kyle uh the cat woman played by zoe kravitz in in this movie what do we think of her the two things about her as a as a character are that one I liked that she had a bit of an arc um, with her father, but it also kind of felt like a lot of her arc was kind of in service to Batman realizing he's got to be a better person. And two, this is just a personal note, when she was putting her contacts in and her fingernails came that close to her eye, that was the single most disturbing thing to me in the movie. I hate those fingernails so much. (laughs) Goddamn. Oh my god, the fingernails were so great. I fucking love them, yes. I loved her. I thought that she did the best that she did for um, the character that was written for her. She was given her own story, like Michelle Pfeiffer. And I think she served Batman less than Michelle Pfeiffer served Batman in Batman Returns, in my opinion. However, she was still that trope. You know, she was still kind of in it. And then I liked, I don't know, I really liked near the end when they rode out together. And then they had to go their separate ways. That was a beautiful moment. I agree. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. I, I love that that's what they end the movie on. I yes. love that that's where, where they end Just it. Yeah. I love that. Hopeful look back at her. Yeah, and he does. He looks back in the in the mirror. Yeah, I love I that. I really wanted this song to start playing. It's been a long day <laughs> since we began. I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. When I see you again. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I know someone's going to make the meme of, like, them riding side by side. Batman's got to look over, and then he's going to look over, and Vin Diesel's going to be there looking over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to do it eventually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I loved her. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's, as far as the thing of her being in service to, to Batman, I, I felt that she had her own storyline. I felt that she had her own storyline. I felt that she had her own motivations. I mean, is she mechanically in service to the protagonist in terms of the way, in terms of her overall function within the story? Maybe. But I feel like... That's true for, like, most characters who are not a protagonist and who are not the main, main protagonist in any movie, if I'm being honest. Like, I I don't know. 
I just, I feel like at the end of the day, if you're making a movie about the Batman, who's about Batman, the main story is going to be about Batman and everything in it is going to in some way be in service to the character. Like the Riddler is in service to Batman in terms of like him learning about the negative effect that he has in the world, you know? I, I hear where you're coming from, but I, I feel that she was definitely enough her own character that there was there was nothing to me there was nothing wrong with the way I agree that yeah. she got her own point of view too. She was, and she, I was like com- that. she had her own point of view. She was her own character, regardless of like mechanically within the story. Again, the movie's about Batman. It's about that's Batman. Fair. That's so like like I kind of feel like every if you're making a movie that's about the story of a specific character, I feel like everything in the movie has to ultimately be in service to that character. That's, that's honestly true. how I feel, but you can still do that and still have the characters have their own story. And I feel that that's what they did, and I think they did that very well, and I think they, they did do. that very effectively. Yeah. yeah. But I love Zoe Kravitz as as Catwoman. I thought she did really well. I do also love her actual relationship with Batman is, again, you know, a lot of straight out of the comics in a lot of ways. Um, I like how there is obviously attraction on both sides, but he is so much more inept at, like, realizing or what to do with that. Like, he doesn't fully know how to commit to that in a lot of ways, which, again, comes back to him not really knowing who Bruce Wayne is. Like, he has the attraction, it's there... But he's just kind of like awkwardly defaults the mission. Like I love that um, scene where you know she's complaining about the context. Like here, let me look. Yeah, they just stare into each other's eyes, and it's like, yep, yeah, no, okay, look good. And it's like, Bruce, you are you are a clueless man. And again, I, I I love that. Actually, I think that's a it's a fun aspect. Again, this is not a quippy movie, but it does have those little bits of lightness and humor. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I I think that she really like Zoe Kravitz. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of echo what you guys said. She did, just did a really, really, really good job in this role, and uh, she's one of my favorite Catwomen. Uh, why 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 action takes on the character now? Like I I cause I really like the version for Batman Returns because of Michelle Pfeiffer's performance. I still, from a writing perspective, definitely prefer these takes on Catwoman, where it's not this thing where it could be a fantastical thing, or even if it's not like. I, I don't like the idea that there has to be some kind of trend, like this single traumatic transformative moment where she becomes Catwoman. No. She can just be Selena Kyle, the, this life. cat, this cat burglar. Yeah. And I, and that, that's why I prefer that is again, the I more Batman year that. one version. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's very much inspired by the Batman year one version and, and long Halloween and all that. And I, I think that she did a really good job and it's really well written. And it like, it reminds me of the Anne Hathaway version uh, as well. And I, I, I think, I, I think she's one of the best versions I've seen of the character. I, I, I think, I think she was awesome. And I, I, I did like, she definitely had her own story. I liked her dynamic with Batman in this movie and yeah, I know that she leaves Gotham at the end, and I like the fact that she leaves Gotham because I feel like that makes sense for her character. But I still hope that we find ways, we find a story reason why she can come back in the future because I really do love this character, uh, and and I and I want to see more of her, uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing a spinoff with her. You know, I think that I agree. I, I think it, it it washed the taste of Halle Berry's Catwoman out of our mouths. Hey. And of course, uh, hey. <laughs> some people. Are like you that really going to defend that movie? <laughs> I'm not going to defend it, but I'm going to say I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we find out we find out that uh, her father is uh, that she she's she's the bastard daughter of uh, Carmine Falcone. 
what do we think of Carmine Falcone in this movie? Like, like in any version that we see, like he's always kind of the classic mobster character. Like I really liked it, uh, when he was played by, uh, 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 I like the Batman Begins character from th- that when Tom Wilkinson played him, but I really liked what John Turturro did with him in this movie. I thought he did a really good job. What do we think of Carmine Falcone in this film? I mean, John Turturro is like instantly, uh, is instantly a uh, point in several points in his favor. I love him as an actor. It's fucking phenomenal. I like the almost paternal relationship that he has with Bruce. Yeah, it's this thing where he is a man of incredible violence and just casual cruelty but he doesn't he doesn't radiate that and he doesn't feel the need to constantly threaten people no and that's i think that adds to it it's like he's not you know coming up to bruce to try and intimidate him or say it's like look bruce i'm gonna reveal things about your past just like hey yeah no i know your dad and i might have killed some people for your dad don't worry about it don't you even worry about it, kid. You're good. You're fine, kid. Just go home. Have have a nice snap. Sins of the father. I'm just gonna be here for you. <laughs> yeah, he he is a monster who does not look like a monster, and I think John Turturro plays it, it very well. Yeah, um, it it should be. Yeah, I I love I love the way that he plays that. Um, These mobsters blend in. They blend in with society. They don't go around in in costumes that make them look evil. They're a part of their community. They're a oh, cornerstone yeah. of their community, and they show that with John Turturro playing this character. It's fucking phenomenal, and I love the way they did it. There is there is this layer upon layer upon layer of sludge that they bring to Carmine Falcone, and I absolutely love that, and John Turturro brings in that complexity. He's that nice person that you talk to every day. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Good to see you. Continue on. <laughs> uh, the closest version to this would be the the version of Carmine on uh, Gotham. No. And the fans really enjoyed them getting into Carmine's mentality. I would have loved to have seen a little more of that with John Tatura, but holy shit, what he did with Carmine was, was phenomenal. Um, that monster right in front of your eyes, or wolf in sheep's clothing, is what he was. But he honestly believes that he's doing good. He honestly mm-hmm. believes that he's providing these jobs and protecting the communities. It's just when he get, doesn't need you anymore. Yep. <laughs> That's that scene he has when he's, uh, when uh, Selena, you know, tries to kill him and, you know, he starts fighting back. That What he says is, uh, you know, look what you're making me do. It's yeah. Like, he takes no responsibility for anything no. he's ever done. He doesn't. Um, even as he's doing it. Yeah. He is ultimately sociopathic, but he yes. he seems so outwardly oh he's so friendly and gentle, but <laughs> yeah. at the same time there's something there's just something so creepy about about yes. him. There's something you know, oh, yeah. it's like there's there's no compassion behind his eyes. No. And yeah, John Turturro just plays that so well. I I liked the fact that they made uh, like I don't know if that's from a... I don't think that's from any of the comics of, of Falcone being related to Selena Kyle at all, or, or is it? Not to my knowledge. But I think for the story that they were telling with this movie, I, I actually kind of thought that was interesting. I kind of like that. What about uh? What about Pengwang, as as uh, Benedict Cumberbatch Penguin. might say? Yes, <laughs> Pengwang. Uh, played by an unrecognizable Colin Farrell, who... Uh, 
has has a peanut allergy and had to eat peanuts right before uh going on set so his face would swell up every every day uh that was actually there was no makeup involved that was how they did it uh don't look it up don't correct me that's how they did it uh it, he did, he wasn't in the makeup chair for for four hours every morning uh <laughs> ultimately i really liked him he's he is like the most outwardly humorous character in the movie. Um, you can see that he's a, an extremely opportunistic character. Lies as easily as he breathes. Also quite sociopathic in a way. Is li- willing to do literally anything to get ahead. Throw anyone under the bus. Make allies with anybody. Make any enemies with anyone just to get ahead. I really like that, you know, at the end it's teasing that... He's set up to become the last of the real mobsters in the city before it, mm-hmm. you know, gets inundated with the, uh, you know, supervillains and whatnot. Yeah, he's just a fun, funny, completely sociopathic character who definitely killed a lot of people in that car chase just to try and get ahead. Yeah, I, I really genuinely, I genuinely liked his performance. It's 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 a little bit of like needed levity in an extremely dramatic dark film. And also a massive transformation for Colin Farrell as well. I have no idea why they decided to take Colin Farrell and put him in the middle of all of this makeup as the Penguin just to look like Richard Kind instead of maybe hiring Richard Kind to play this character (laughs) as a badass mom. I'm going to be honest. I only say that because we have seen Richard Kind do some pretty nasty things with a smile on his face. And I would love to see him play this nasty, nasty character as the Penguin. With that said, I'm done. Colin Farrell was amazing as the Penguin. Fucking phenomenal. And he looks like a lot of the Penguins from the from the Arkham, from uh, comic books. We see him as this kind of underboss He's willing to do anything he has to do to rise above everything, but he also shows whenever they had him handcuffed and foot cuffed, um, whenever they had him cuffed and they were like, spill it, spill it, spill it. And he was like, I'm not a rat. Do you think I'm a fucking rat? I'm not a rat. And before, uh, later on uh, with Carmine, before he shot, the penguin's going to do it himself because he screams out, you rat. And he pulls his gun and then the gun goes off and he goes, it wasn't me. <laughs> I love that be. moment in the penguin because he didn't fold. But mm-hmm. that's one of that's also whenever they're walking away and he's like, "Hey, y'all still know I'm over here, don't you? Hey! Yes. You goddamn sons of bitches!" <laughs> 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 that is my that is my favorite moment in the whole movie. It's my favorite penguin moment, definitely. But yeah. you goddamn sons of bitches! <laughs> that is the worst goddamn Spanish I've ever heard. What? No habla español. I love his penguin character. Oh my god. <laughs> he was the best thing about the movie for me. He was the best thing. When he was on screen, I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, he was great. He was he was scene stealing. Like I, I get the <laughs> I understand the thing about like if you're just gonna make him look like Richard Kind, why don't you cast Richard Kind? Richard, like, <laughs> I understand the thing of like why do we have to take these like these pretty actors and like transform them into these character types instead of casting a character but actor? I do but love at the, the same time, 
he's so good in the movie yes. that I, it's yeah. it's fun. Like he, he really is so good in the movie. I don't want to see anybody else play the penguin ever now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like I, I honestly do think he was perfect. I think he was you perfect as the penguin, and I, and I, and I yeah. love the fact that it is Colin Farrell. I love the fact that he is just an unrecognizable Colin Farrell. Like it's, yeah. it's again. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it does kind of go to that thing of, like, who had the idea to cast Colin Farrell uh, as this character just just to transform him so yeah, much? Like, Colin who's, Farrell, who's like, no offense, but if you had a lot less hair and about 50 more pounds. It's, again, like, whose idea was it? But it's brilliant. Like, it's brilliant to go so, like, I love how against type it is. I, lo- I love that, yeah. And yeah. I think he's he really is awesome in the movie. He's so good. He it is. does have me very excited for the uh, the Penguin show. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. I cannot fucking wait. It's going to be so good. Yeah, I was just watching the hot ones that Colin Farrell was on. And he kind of talked about how uh, apparently it started off as four hours in the makeup chair. And then they figured out how to do it in two hours. So <laughs> maybe by the time they do the show, maybe they'll have it down to 30 minutes. Let's see yeah. who knows. He'll probably uh, have a know. permanent silicone prosthetic. They'll be able to do it. So yeah. that might be why they they might be. We had to put all this money into Colin Farrell's makeup. We got to get some more use out of this shit to get our money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they got the show coming out. You know that you know they're, they're probably going to make sequels to this movie. You feel like I feel like Penguin's probably going to show up in the sequels too. Um, yeah, because they because they definitely set him up to be that that new crime boss, taking filling that void of Falcone. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, yeah, I, I definitely think we're going to be seeing more of the penguin, probably seeing a lot more of the penguin in this universe. And I'm excited because I think it's a great version. Uh, I do too. Again, I, I, I like the more, again, the street. I love how street level this movie is. The fact that, you know, it's definitely not the Burton Batman of there's almost like with with you watch Batman Returns. Catwoman and Penguin have kind of a mythic quality to them. Yeah. I love the fact that in this movie they're much more street level. Like it, yep. it, it, it they, they feel it's more realistic. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's more realistic. Yeah, for sure, and, and it feels more grounded. When we think of Andy Circus as Alfred uh, in this movie, uh, not in the movie as much as maybe I thought he was going to be, but he's very significant in the scenes that that he is in. The the three minutes he has on screen, I liked him. When he was on screen, I loved him. There was just odd exchange between the two. And, you know, it was like a son and a father that grew to disagree. That's how I felt about it. And I loved that chemistry. But when they when they pulled that bomb scene and they put him under for the rest of the movie, this was not the movie for that. They needed to have a buildup. They should have done that in the in the sequel. I don't think that they should have done that. I think we needed more. Alfred and more Batman. I did love that they did have a good relationship and I love what we had and it was well done. But to use the plot tool of, okay, we have too many characters. Let's take Alfred out. Come on, Al out. That's what it felt like to me. I know that's not what they were going for. I know that he needed Alfred to be in this state so that he could grow as Bruce Wayne. That's what opened him up into instead of chasing vengeance being more humane. I do understand that. But I would have loved to have seen a lot more Andy Serkis uh, as Alfred. Look at that. Ultimately, this is a movie that was already running pretty long. And so you do have to pare something down. And I actually don't begrudge that it's the Alfred plotline. 
I do wish I saw more Alfred because I do like Andy Serkis's performance. I do like his chemistry with Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that scene where they come and reconcile, Bruce finally acknowledges, like, you are kind of my dad and I really should, yeah. you know, I, I should really appreciate you more, appreciate you better. Where they finally admit that they have love for each other, but they've both become so distant Alfred because he fears that he's failed Bruce in some ways and Bruce because he's become so set on this one mission um, that he's tried to close himself off from all emotions, all vulnerability, all fear, as he directly states. And having to come to terms with the fact that he does have to be vulnerable and that he can't close himself off from all fear because he does love Alfred. And I really like that moment. Well, I have daddy issues, and I enjoy the daddy issue moments, okay? Yeah. I got you. I love the daddy. I like the daddy issue moments. <laughs> I know. I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> I get you. I hate it when you fight. <laughs> and we're, we're getting into the Waynes a bit. I do think Alfred's view of Thomas Wayne is perhaps a little kinder than he perhaps deserves. But mm-hmm. I, that's something I appreciate about this version of Alfred is that... I think it's Partially because filtered. of... You know, the the scar over the face and Circus's performance, you do get the impression this is an Alfred who has known violence in his past, but he he does have a great love for the Waynes, um, especially for Bruce. He is an extremely compassionate man. It's a very kind interpretation of the truth, um, but I do appreciate that he has that. I love that they said it straight that Alfred is not really a butler, but he's there to keep them safe, which sets Alfred up as security instead of being a butler. And I really like that. With Alfred, I understand the thing about wanting to see more of him. But I mean, a couple things about that. I I, I think it was ultimately like, I, I don't think it was a matter of paring him down for, for time. I think you guys, I think both of you pretty much answered why he's not in the movie more. I think it's because of the fact that. Bruce is kind of distant from Alfred for most of this movie, so he's not going to be having a bunch of these emotional scenes with him early on in the movie. He has this one big emotional scene with him at the point where he realizes, wait, I actually haven't been appreciating you enough. And (laughs) and that was the point of, like, that, like, sometimes you don't um, realize what you have until you almost lose it. And I think almost losing Alfred made made Bruce kind of realize that, well, I have kind of been taking you for granted and, you know, I have been listening to you enough. And, and that, that scene with them in the hospital is such a great scene. And and I think that I understand the thing about wanting to save stuff like this for, for sequels, but I think that it really was in service to the story that they were telling in this movie. But when he wakes up in the hospital, he says, instead of saying, oh, Alfred, I missed you. I loved you. Alfred wakes up and he's like, you lied to me. <laughs> and Alfred looks like, ah, oh, why didn't I fucking die? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that, like, brief moment where Alfred just looks at him and it's like, oh, Bruce, I'm so happy to see you. And it's like, Alfred, you lied to me. It's like, fuck. <laughs> We're going to have this conversation, are we? <laughs> <laughs> 
that he doesn't wake up to an open arm. Oh, Alfred, I'm so happy you're alive. Yeah. I will say that there, it, it kind of goes to like the fact that I was kind of mentioning the fact that we, we never see that, the you know, the Waynes die in this movie because we've seen it so many times. I think that there's a lot of things in this movie that are built around an assumption of a cultural awareness of Batman in general, even though this is the first chapter of a new story. But I think that that's fair because I think that there really is like, cause there's one of those things. Like if I'm going into this movie, if I watch this movie and I've never heard of Batman before, I just, I've been living in an actual cave. I've never seen Batman. I've never read Batman. You don't really get attached to Alfred in a way where there's like that much of a reaction to him almost dying, but you do feel that that gut punch of you know when when Alfred almost gets blown up like there is that <gasps> that yeah. happens because we know Alfred because we love Alfred from these other versions. Yeah, but it it is true that like we don't really get that just from this version because we don't get really enough time. I don't know if that's even really a criticism towards the movie or not, but it's it's just something interesting that I kind of thought about of like, this really is one of those emotional gut punches that's built around a cultural awareness of, of Batman and Batman's really characters. But as far as like wanting to see more of him, I understand that and I felt that a little bit, but like... This is the first chapter. We're going to see more Alfred. You know how I think this this went, the Alfred subplot? They were like, who should we get to play Alfred? I don't know, maybe Andy Serkis. Oh, Andy Serkis is great. How much does he charge per day? Ooh. How much can we have him? Two days? Okay, we okay. two days it is. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I hear what you guys are saying, I, but I still think it goes down to the central story, which is that... He's very much not in touch with himself as Bruce Wayne in this movie. Yeah. He's very much just focusing on Batman. But because of that, a consequence of that is not seeing as much of Alfred. But again, because of the way this movie goes, I think it's set up in a way where we're going to see more of Alfred and we're going to see more of Bruce Wayne in subsequent films. I think that that's really the point of it. You are a master debater. I'm the master. Mas- what? I'm the masturbator? What? Yeah, yeah, you? uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the master debater. I love it because I always see your point after you get done and I'm like, this motherfucker spitting over here. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, this motherfucker's in my brain. He's changing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> the the one thing I'll say about the cultural osmosis is that I do it's hard to say exactly because I have been like steeped in Alfred performances from a very young age so I do have an attachment to the character in general I personally think that the scene would still that Alfred getting blown up that him being in the hospital I still think that if for whatever reason you'd somehow managed to go your entire adult life without hearing about Batman whatsoever somehow up till this point, but you were watching this movie first time, I still think that scene would have worked mostly because of Pattinson's reaction. Um, I think he really sold that well. That's Um, true. Like, we don't have a lot of time with him, but it is super clear how important Alfred is to him. It is. But if I were Alfred, I would pull off some Odin sleep bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) You lied to me. Oh, Oh, I've got to go back uh, to sleep. Uh, that, that always, that always <laughs> does kind of make me laugh at Thor. It's like he's having this really intense, like Loki is accusing him of all this shit. And Ocean's like, oh, 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 I'm getting uh, sleepy. Oh, oh, sleep. oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, like, what happens in sex? Oh, Odin's sleep. I'm going to into the Odin's sleep, my son. <laughs> 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 
we kind of touched on it, but what about the story with the Waynes? Like, it's 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 a little bit reminiscent of what they did with with it in the uh, the Telltale Batman games of like, what if the Waynes aren't as 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 squeaky clean as as maybe uh, Bruce would have liked to have thought? I love that. Yeah, I love that they're pushing forward on that, and I love that we're starting to see even everything gets grittier. No, maybe Martha wasn't so good. Maybe Martha didn't cook the cookies. Who cooked those cookies? The maid! And she took the credit (laughs) for it. (laughs) If that's the dirtiest thing in Bruce Wayne's past, what? Mom didn't cook the cookies? What? What? He he like goes Alfred's like, Alfred, you lied to me. You told me mom baked those cookies. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know her her recipe was Toll House. (laughs) It's like, exactly. It's like, oh, oh, Master Wayne, I thought this was going to be about something completely different. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Never mind, I can explain this one. (laughs) I kind of love that we don't ever get an objective view of what happened to them. We get Falcone's story, we get Alfred's story, Bruce in the end chooses to side and believe with Alfred's story, but we the audience don't know if that's the objective truth. No, yeah. we don't. Um, Alfred Alfred himself only appears to have pieced it together. It doesn't look like he was ever told specifically what happened, um, just that he had witnessed some of this. Yeah. And what I like about that is that I personally think that Thomas Wayne ever approaching Falcone to do anything to the reporter for any reason, even just to say, it's like, hey, scare him a little... <laughs> No. That enough is not no. a good thing. He no. knows who Falcone is. That's like saying, get that chainsaw and go pluck that rose out of that bush. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's like it reminds me of uh, 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 Firefly. It's it's like um, when Mal tells Jay, it's like, all right, you need to hurt him. Just scare him a little. And Jay says, pain is scary. You know? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like no, you don't, you don't like somebody like Jane or somebody like Falcone. You don't tell somebody like that. Just scare yeah. a little. You're right. I, yeah. So. That's where I stood, though. There's no way Thomas Wayne would have went to Falcone for, for something small. If he did, he was dangerous and he naive. And and I don't believe that Wayne was dangerously naive. Yeah. I believe that he yeah. had a nasty side to him. I do. And... That's my personal opinion on it, and ultimately I like that Bruce doesn't get the answer, and he's just going to have to reckon with the idea that there is some darkness in his history, in his past. And he has to figure out what he's going to do with that legacy, and, you know, as Alfred puts it, you know, this is the legacy of the family, Bruce Wayne is the legacy of the family. He has to decide where that goes, what that turns into. I also very, very much like that... And this actually might go into the idea that Thomas Wayne was dangerously naive, that a lot of the issues are caused by this one big charity fund with no oversight and no one looking into it. Thomas Wayne threw a lot of money at the city's problems, but didn't actually put in the work or wasn't there to see where it all went. Or was he in on the laundering? Or was he in on the laundering? We don't know. We get a very unflattering image of him, one that brings a lot into doubt. But also, we know that he wasn't entirely awful because he did inspire the loyalty and love of Alfred and, of course, of Bruce. And I like that it's messy. I like that he is not a solid good or bad person. No. Possibly leaning more bad. I actually really love that. I also like that Martha, we know less about her 
Except we do know that apparently um, Bruce in this one is just as much an Arkham as he is a Wayne, which that's going to be interesting moving forward. I like the idea that maybe the Wayne, the Wayne company has more to do with the mob than people would think. It just gets nasty and tangled up because there's no way Thomas Wayne was that naive, especially going into politics. Maybe he was a puppet because yeah. a lot of times darker people pick a politician like Reagan to run. I would absolutely love the idea of him being a little naive, but at the same time, going forward, a little dirty. I also like that idea, too, because that helps justify the concept of Batman. But it's like, it does. You know what? You have a massive company. Why don't you use that to help it? It's like, if you don't really control the company, it's got your name, but they don't listen to you and you can't actually force what they do and they're pretty much dirty. You have to get creative with how you fight back and help the city. And that helps justify, it's like, okay, this might actually be the best thing that he can do with his resources. It, it makes sense with his costume and with what he's using to fight with, you know, because he is carrying around that costume with him. And, you know, some of that has got to be some heavy shit. Some of that he already is wearing. But how much is how much? Where yeah. where does his money come from? How much of the money does he get? Does he have input and in Wayne Enterprises and he just does it? Because we've seen him in this in this movie where he doesn't take his calls and he doesn't take anything. Uh, they have to have these meetings without him. Yeah, Alfred's been dealing with the company finances. Yeah, he's blissfully part. ignorant. And he likes it that way. He doesn't want to be involved in it because he's like, uh, 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 whatever. None of his tools are cheap, but you do get the impression this is a lower budget. Yes, Batman. it is a def definitely a low budget Batman. He has dollar, dollar store, great value Batman. Yep, yep, <laughs> great value. Well, one thing that was interesting to me about the idea of Martha Wayne having these mental health issues is to me that kind of goes into the DC multiverse of there's a universe where Bruce Wayne uh, gets killed instead of his parents yeah. and, and Martha Wayne becomes the Joker. And it's interesting that that kind of felt like a, a tie into that, because even though that doesn't happen in this universe, it feels like that universe could be like a, a, a tangential one to this, because let's face it, it's a horrible thing uh to have a child get killed in front of you but the sane reaction to that is not becoming a psychotic uh clown a uh, criminal mastermind yes. like <laughs> let's let's be honest like you know mm -hmm. and so i i i, kinda, I thought that was interesting that th this is you know the different martha waynes and different universes could have those kind of uh psychoses maybe you know i i, th I thought it was just it it was just something that, that I kind of thought about uh, while I was watching the movie is the Flashpoint version of it. I think that you might not be too far from where the ball is thrown. This could end up getting in touch with the other uh, multiverses going on. Well, you know, with with them doing the Flashpoint movie, like yeah. anything, anything goes, you know, they could bring in this for like we know they're bringing in the Keaton version. They could bring in this version, too. You know, we, yeah. we, we could see. So oh, yeah. what do we think of some of these action sequences and some of the other sequences in the movies? I mean, I one, I, one just very specific, like, part of one scene that I just want to give a shout out to because I thought it was super cool is when he's in a dark hallway and people are shooting at him and the scene is only lit by the muzzle flashes yeah. of the rifles. That was that, that was, was so badass. fucking cool. Like, just just mm -hmm. the filmmaking of that. It was very similar to the to the Vader scene where he comes in in Rogue One. 
and I absolutely loved it. And every time the muzzle flashed, he was in a different position or he was taking down someone different. It was really exciting and nice. Um, They probably should have had a warning for people with epilepsy before the movie. (laughs) Probably, yeah. But, um, <laughs> honestly it was it wasn't as bad it wasn't as bad as fucking incredibles 2 i mean i love incredibles 2 but there were scenes of that that were just like ah uh, you I'm, were trying I, to give someone epilepsy yeah, here. God no. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a lot of really really good um action set pieces i love how vicious batman is in this again going back to him trying to be that aspect of fear just the he, he's an extremely brutal batman not quite as over the top as Affleck's where it's like this guy is clearly like a little beyond what normal humans can do but still and this is not hating on the Bale version whatsoever I gotta stress that but almost being a little more fluid a little more a little more bone crunching um than the Bale version in some ways if that makes sense less less uh ninja striking from the shadows and more um street fighter just ruthlessly efficient I do also like that he's not a perfect fighter. Like, he takes a lot of hits. Um, that armor is put yeah. to good use. That he does make some mistakes. That he doesn't counter every blow. He is very effective, but... But he's still new and inexperienced. Like, that's that's something that they kept very consistent out of the film, is that this is Batman, but still early Batman. He is yeah. not quite mythic yet. Well, I love the fact that, I mean, this goes to an earlier point, but I love the fact that uh, it, that, that beginning train uh, station action sequence, he beats up all the guys. Well, again, he's not a perfect fighter. He does take a lot of hits, but he does he does beat up all the guys. And he looks at the guy that he was saving and his his reaction is, don't hurt me. You know, the guy yeah. who he just saved is is terrified of him like this. This is not, you know, a friendly Spider-Man, Superman type superhero. It's like, oh, thank you, hero. It's like, yeah, I mean, it kind of it kind of remind me of uh, like there's a scene in I'm actually going to reference the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, which I think is an underrated film. Yeah. Personally, I actually really like the Ben Affleck Daredevil yeah. film, but where he, he saves a kid in that movie and the kid has that same reaction of please don't hurt me and 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 daredevil says look i'm not the bad guy kid and then you see him on a rooftop afterwards and he kind of says to himself i'm not the bad guy am i you know like and that that really kind of remind me of that it's a weird inspiration but it's one that i actually think probably did help inspire part of this film um there's a comic and also a really good uh animated film um the new frontier it's not Written originally in the 1930s, it was originally written by uh, Darwin Cook, I think. But it's set um, as the transition from, like, Golden Age to Silver Age, sort of. And at the start of that movie, Batman is in his classic Golden Age outfit. You know, tall, sharp ears, black cloak. You know, very terrifying. And he, you know, saves a kid from a building, and the kid is freaking out. He is terrified the whole time. And then later in the film... You know, you don't see him make that decision, but he's in a different suit. He's in the, you know, Silver Age kind of Adam West-like suit. You know, the blue one. Um, Robin's in the cave, and Superman at that point, you know, asks him, like, hey, what's with the change? And Batman's response is, I set out to scare criminals, not children. And I feel like that transition, that philosophy is a lot of Batman's transition. His arc in this film is realizing that... He's not just scaring criminals. He's scaring a lot of pe- the people he's trying to save, too. Yeah. 
I thought the Batmobile car chase with Penguin was a lot of fun too. Um, it was really, really well yeah. done, really visceral. Yeah. Although I will say, I still think my favorite Batmobile car chase sequence is the one in Batman Begins. You know, the one where he's he's like just he destroying the all the the one <laughs> oh, where yeah. he's destroying all the shingles on the roofs. It's like yeah. courtesy of Tank Man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love in this one when the Batmobile, I like that, you know, the Batmobile doesn't show up at all until this scene. And then when it finally turns on, it's like this horror movie monster. Just, yeah. I realized that this it's is like a time where, of COVID. Yeah. And it's not particularly safe to be in theaters, but if you can find a safe time to see it in theaters, this scene alone is my recommendation for why you should, because you feel it yeah. before you see it. And it is amazing. And it, yeah, it's like, as, as you said, it's the beast. It's, it's the beast that comes from the shadows twice. It's the hot rod. It's the hot rod from hell. Yep. And it is amazing. And just when he thinks that he's defeated him, boom, there he is again. Boom, there it is. <laughs> like it's designed like a hot rod, but it's almost as tanky as like the tumbler um, yeah. from the Nolan yeah. films. It's probably one of my favorite Batmobiles in live action. It did remind me of the Arkham Knight Batmobile from from the video game Arkham it's Knight. It reminded me cuz yeah. cuz that that yeah. also that also was a good balance between the the sleekness and the tank-like quality as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun sequence. Um any any other uh, sequences we want to talk about? There's a uh, I mean the, the the one where the the one guy uh, the Peter Sarsgaard character has the bomb on his chest and Batman's trying to like solve the riddles and all that. That's that was a really good scene. That was tense. Yeah, any bomb diffusing scene like ne- you need to feel that tension and that yes. was really effective. You know, like oh, that yeah. that tension was Their absolutely chemistry there. was was phenomenal in that scene. Yeah, yeah, no, that was beautiful. Um, I I love also that it ends in a way you don't expect and that does a really good job of, like, setting up who Falcone is. It's like, all right, this man is terrified of dying, but he is even more scared of revealing anything about Falcone. I think, you know, as you said, Peter Sargard, you know, sold that super well, and that, yeah. that scene was tense and fantastic. I also really like the the climax fight. Um, you know, it's, again, that kind of, you know, it's that kind of, like, a... Very visceral, very physical fighting. Um, extremely fluid as well. He is getting better at it. And the hint at the end that might be an adrenaline shot, might be some kind of, like, proto-venom, I thought was a... It's a fun call anyways. Um, but yeah. Yeah, lots, lots of lots of good action scenes. Did they, did they foreshadow that shot at all? Like, was there an earlier shot of him, like, having that or putting that on his belt? Because that was, that was like, that was my only kind of criticism, is I felt that that could have been foreshadowed better. I personally didn't think it needed foreshadowing. I think it works well in the context of it. It works well as being, okay, this could be just an adrenaline shot that he has in the suit, which would make sense to have. I don't know. I think it needed to be foreshadowed. I'm I'm actually I'm with you, Liz. On that. I, yeah. I, think, I think it just came out of nowhere. It's like, where, where, where did he have that thing? Yeah, we were we were talking, and, and uh, Kate was like, what the hell is that? And I was like, it's adrenaline. It's adrenaline. That was, that was the issue I had, was the, what the hell is that? It's like, I get when he injects himself, okay, it's some kind of adrenaline, 
But it's like I I just would have liked to have seen even a shot of him having. Do you think it it's in a precursor? Cave. Do you think it's a precursor to Bane? Yeah, that Might was kind of that was that was kind of what Zach was saying about how it could be because Ven- Venom is the name of the substance that Bane. Yeah, uses, that's right. So yeah. yeah, it could be like it's something that that occurred. Like it, it didn't occur to me when I was watching the movie, but it occurred to me a little bit after the fact. Like, but it should have been foreshadowed. I actually agree. I think that's that's one of my few criticisms with with the movie and with the scene is that I I think that that should have been set up maybe having him like have the vial we don't know what it is but we see it maybe alfred makes the comment it's like oh do you really think you're gonna need that it's like oh you never know you like, never know there may be there may be a deleted scene yeah with yeah. this where it is foreshadowed it could be i think yeah i could have sworn i heard uh someone mention maybe even matt Rees mentioned that like there is a longer cut of it that he you know liked to have there's a longer Holy cut fuck. of this <laughs> <laughs> How do you get a three-hour movie? You don't you don't cut anything. <laughs> well, I mean, the climax was also just so like it was a great Sudden. climax. Like, of course, like the, the the whole thing of the car bombs blowing up and, and the whole city getting flooded. Like it, it did remind me of Batman Begins in the sense that like both of these are Batman movies that are a lot more grounded. Uh, in very street level, but then they have a climax that does feel a little bit more like kind of grand scale, larger than life. But I think that it was it was done in such a plausible way uh, within the con the confines of this movie that I actually kind of I ultimately liked the climax, and I and I like I like the fact that Batman does not stop the flooding. Like he can't he can't pre- no. he's too late to no, prevent it. You know, mm-hmm. I I, I like that aspect of it, but just seeing him understand the batman that he has to be and that 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 beautiful shot of him like hanging from the light and then he cuts the cable and falls and then as he's saving the people they're afraid of him and then he he stretches his hand out and that first person makes the decision to trust batman and then the other people follow suit i just i don't know i just think it's it's beautiful the way it's the new mayor who trusts him the first time isn't it is it that or the kid it's, it's the mayor's, mayor's son. son. Yeah, it's the kid. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Which I love because that's you know that's a kid that immediately it's the pearl scene without having to be the pearl scene. Yes, um, the kid is in a lot of ways like young Bruce Wayne, and uh, not to get like too metaphorical on this, it's a little like him embracing you know the yes. kid that he thrown away a long time yeah. ago. The kid that died a long time ago. He may have lived, but the kid died inside him. Also, that shot of that shot of him leading them all out with the flare was—it was gorgeous. It's a classic shot. That's that's a gorgeous. God, the direction, yeah, the cinematography of this film is just like so many shots are like shots you could just frame and put put up on your wall. You know, they are. So, many, so many so many frames from this film. Yeah, is it was it was such a yeah it was a great climax. Like I, I, I again going back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Like I just I love that as as bleak as a lot of this movie feels. I love that. Like the movie works because it does end on that that note of hope, that note of optimism, and I think that it's done so so effectively. What about that scene with uh, with Ed Nash uh, meeting the Joker at the end? They could have cut it. Bullshit. That was the best. No. <laughs> Bullshit. I don't hate the scene. I feel like it was not wholly necessary, but I also don't hate it. Um, I like that. This seems like this is going to be a manipulative version of Joker, which most of them are. But I like that they're, I like that they're playing that up. I also like that he's someone that Batman has clearly encountered before. 
because um, he is in Arkham um, and he does appear to have gone through the full sequence of events, the tournament with the Joker, but it's maybe not a version of Joker that he took seriously yet. Um, so this is a Joker with a grudge. Yes, exactly. It's been confirmed that Barry Keegan is the one that plays him. And he's... Yeah, I was wondering that when I saw the movie and then I found that out right afterwards. And yeah. Yeah. Well, you can tell that they, they since they cast Barry Keegan, you know that they're all in on, on bringing him back for more movies because they yes. would they wouldn't ca- they wouldn't cast somebody like that unless for such a small role for, for a cameo. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I'm excited to see what he does with the Joker. I loved his voice. I loved his mannerism. You could tell he was manipulating and and trying to dissect the situation with as little as possible. And that I loved it. It was real. It was a really good combination of the Joker and the Riddler, kind of the way they vibe off, off of each other. Boyfriends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually really, I really dug the scene, actually. Like, I, I thought I thought it was a great setup for the Joker. And I, I mean, I, I can understand feeling that the Joker is a bit of an overused character. But at the same time, I feel like if you're doing a story about a street level Batman, I feel like you got to bring the Joker in. You have to. I just feel <laughs> like I just feel like he works so well in, in these street level Batman stories. Yep. And Joker is a character who he's so chaotic by nature and he can be interpreted in so many different ways that I feel like as long as the actor and the writing comes in and and they they can stay true to Joker but bring a new take to it I'm never going to get tired of seeing versions of this character because there are so many different ways you can interpret him. I love all the different versions. I do too. Uh, I even, I'm saying this unironically, I really like Jared Leto's version. I honestly do. I think think he has a really good version of it too. It's a different breed. Um, I enjoy the different tellings of the character, the different backgrounds. I think it's really neat. For mm-hmm. sure. And and yeah, I mean, I, I understand saying that this, you know, is, isn't necessary or not. I, I feel like, again, with these like year one or year two Batman stories, I think that it's always kind of fun to like have a little bit of a tease for more to come. Like I, I think about Batman Begins of seeing the, again, the Joker card. Uh, and like, there's something similar at the end of the year one graphic novel and movie of, of, you know, oh, there's a new player call. It's always the Joker is what they're always setting up. But, but, but I, I think like it felt true to that kind of thing. And, and also just showing that, you know, even though Batman is trying to go into more of a heroic direction, like again, this one villain comes out, it, 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 it leads to escalation. You know, there's always going to be that escalation in early Batman stories of things that are still going to get worse before they get better. And even, I know that they are going to make sequels to this, but even if they could, even if they don't make any sequels to this, like I still think ending on that note just feels like the right note to end an early Batman story on. So I thought it was a good scene and I'm actually glad the scene was in the movie as well. Let's go into overall thoughts and our score from one out of 10. Zach, I'm going to let you start. Overall, this is one of my favorite versions of live action Batman. This is just a really, really solid movie. Um, I like love this version of Batman. I love the fact that it's more or less just a straight, gritty, noir movie film. At the end, going a little more into that overtop super superheroics, but not not so much so that it feels divorced from the rest of the film. Like the climax still feels very much like the rest of the film. I like that it starts in such a dark place and moves to such a hopeful ending that movement towards um, Batman as a hero. This might actually be a bit of a hot take, but this is one of those universes where I think you can and 
in some ways maybe should have a version of Robin. Maybe not like the Gully G Wiz, but yeah, an angry kid who set out to go on a quest of vengeance and has Batman come up and say, okay, no, we're going to make sure you don't hurt yourself doing that. You can still, like, go out and, you know, help, help people, but uh, not like that. I think it's a universe where you could have Robin. You could have go in a lot of different directions. I'm excited to see where this universe goes. And I think it's a movie with a lot of fantastic performances. It's not a perfect movie. There are like one or two, you know, little issues I have with it. But I'm still going to give this a 10 out of 10. Okay, there is an episode in The Dark Crystal where uh, they go to see these prophets. And one of the prophets speaks really really slow and you know what they're about to say but they just can't get it out fast enough and the other character is like say it say it come on say it say it that's how i felt during this whole goddamn motherfucking movie the whole movie i felt like every time there was a close-up of the characters they spoke so slow, so monotonously, that William Shatner was like their acting coach. Everything in this movie, everything in this movie was good. The actors, the design, the story, the cinematography, everything was there to make a gold product. But they took too goddamn long to tell the stupid story. Way too long. They could have cut at least an hour out of this movie just by shaving a few seconds off of each one of those blurry-ass scenes that we really didn't need for the story. I, I understand that you need cinematography to tell the story, to feel, but you don't need 30 seconds of every take. And it was horrible. And that slowed the whole movie down. It was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about that. But it took too damn long to tell the story and that ruined it for me i loved everything else about this movie but the pacing of the movie threw me off it really did so to the fact where it kept me entertained but i did want to kind of look away because it was just taking too long to tell the story so i will give this movie a six out of ten for pacing. So I, I definitely don't feel that way. I actually, one of the things that, that kind of, I came out of when I, when I saw this movie was that it's a three hour movie and I never would have known because it flies by for me. Like I didn't feel the pacing was slow for me at all. Uh, I genuinely, I really just didn't, didn't feel that way. And I honestly, I feel like if I had watched that movie with no concept of time, not knowing what the runtime was and you just asked me walking out, how long do you think that movie was? I probably would have said about two hours. Like, I, it felt an hour shorter than it was to me. It honestly did. It did not feel like a three-hour movie. It, w it went by so, so fast. Again, I don't even know if I want to call it a slow burn because I didn't feel like it was that slow. It, it didn't feel slow-paced to me, but it was very atmospheric, and they did a lot to build mood and to build tension and to build anticipation, and I thought that it was very effectively done, and I, I really do. I, I think that this is one of the best Batman movies. I think Pattinson was great. I love the gritty detective noir uh take on it again it's it's that it's that buddy cop movie between uh, uh jim gordon and, and batman which was so effectively done riddler was a great villain i loved catwoman 
I'm excited to see what where they go with the, this film. And I and I actually don't think that was a hot take, Zach. I actually also had the thought of I want to see Robin in this universe. I actually have, I actually already kind of had that same thought because I just feel like we we haven't really gotten. The last time we've really gotten Robin in a live action movie was in the Schumacher ones. You know, we we went through three three Nolan movies with, with no. I I know there was the one character, but he was more of, he was more of kind of a, an homage to the idea of Robin. He wasn't really Robin. But with yeah. with this movie, but with this universe, like I do want to see like a Dick Grayson or a Jason Todd come in in, in the next one and and to to, to kind of see because I, I I do think that that would make sense. Uh, and, 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 and I, I think that this, I think this is a universe where you could do that and you could do that well. It is a gritty take on it. It's, it's realistic and it's not, there is still a more of a mythic quality. Like it still feels more stylized to me than, than the Nolan movies. Yeah. I've always said this, the Nolan movies are the only movies that I've seen that made me feel like Batman could exist. Like they made me believe, even though there's a lot of things that actually aren't realistic in those movies. Those movies make me believe that Batman could exist. This movie does not make me think Batman could exist. There's still a lot of stylization. There's still kind of a mythic quality to it, but it feels gritty. It really does. It feels like film noir. Like, film noir isn't necessarily realistic, you know? It just feels gritty, and it feels street level, and it has this grime to it, which I feel that this this one does, but it still has a style to it. It has a stylization to it. It doesn't feel like I'm watching something that's going for naturalism. But this is a fantastic movie. Really well directed, great cinematography, great score. The score by Michael Giacchino, I think, is is excellent. So I'm going to give this one a 10 out of 10 as well. I I do think that this is one of the best Batman movies that has come out. All right. uh, But having said all that, Zach, where can the folks find you? Folks can find me on Facebook as Zachariah Schneider. They can find me on the Twitters as Zachariah Schnett 4 at Zachariah S-C-H-N-E-4. Liz, where can the folks find you? The uh, tank of gas now costs $65 for me, so you can definitely find me on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. <laughs> this gas be getting expensive out here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Liz Tory all over with social media, TikTok, Instagram, and the Twatter. It's like, yeah, I'm all vaccinated, boosted, the, the COVID numbers are going down, I'm ready to travel the country, and then gas prices... No, nope. you ain't. <laughs> None of that shit. <laughs> Be a lot cooler if you didn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me on Instagram at scwilson underscore actor. And you can follow Nerd Shit at the Nerd Shit Pod on all social medias. That's at the Nerd Shit Pod. Yes, we changed our social medias. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It is at the Nerd Shit Pod. Make sure that you're subscribed to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a review. Leave us a star rating. Tell your friends. Tell your lovers. Tell your dogs. Make sure that you are following us on Facebook because every single Tuesday evening we're going to be streaming on Facebook Nerd Shit News where we're going to round up all the news and trailers over the past week and that's going to be live streamed on Facebook 6 o'clock Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific. And if you happen to miss the live stream, the videos are going to remain on Facebook for you to watch on replay after the fact. Up next, we're going to be reviewing Captain America, the first Avenger, going back into phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Again, we've only been doing this podcast for more than a year and we're still in fucking phase one. God, we gotta do some damage on that franchise, guys. All right, so we're doing Captain yep. America First Avenger. <laughs> All right. For Liz Tory and Zack Schneider, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. 
Nerd shit. Nerd, nerd, nerd shit. Stay shitty, nerds. <laughs> nerd shit, nerd shit. So strap on in, cause we're talking about the nerd shit.